Welcome back to In the Ring with Termite and Mr. S. And we've got another great story for you today. So, Mr. S., is this not cool? This is going to be good when there's some good stories we were talking about before. And I said, hold on, let's save some of these. So I'm, I'm excited for him to share some of these stories. All right, so our guest today is Bruce Baker. And, you know, we've got all kinds of drivers in life. We've got drivers, Uber drivers. We've got diesel truck drivers. He was a driver for famous people. Thank you for having me today. First of all, uh, it's a pleasure being with you guys. I've been watching your podcast, really enjoying them, man. I mean, it's such a great thing you're doing. And, and I've been very fortunate in my lifetime that I've got to meet and hang out with some really, really cool people, uh, you know, from working the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. I did star security for years. Uh, I worked with guys from like, you know, George Jones and George Strait to Beyonce and Garth Brooks, uh, you know. We actually, you printed out here. How many yeah, names are on this I list? I think there's a little over 300, 325 maybe. Why don't you rattle off some of them? And how about the guy like um, Elvis Presley? Now, I got to see Elvis twice when I was a kid at the rodeo, but I didn't get to work with him. My dad did. My dad got to work with Elvis. But um, Bo Diddley? Bo Diddley. Oh, my goodness. I mean, there's some cool people on there, man. Uh you know, people like, you know, that you don't think about that would play the rodeo, like Neil Diamond or or one of the greats, Tony Bennett. I mean, LL you know, Cool you, J. You got you got Frank Sinatra and you got Tony Bennett's like the man right underneath him. Uh, and just, I did it for 22 years. Uh, and you become friends with some of these people. I mean, Ronnie Dunn or Brooks and, Brooks and Dunn and I have been friends for over 30 years now. Isn't that crazy? And, uh, you know, when... when when you called me, Termite, and asked me to do this, I'd watched your show, and I thought you were crazy. Uh, yeah, you know, I would want to stop you just for a second. Who did that thought? You know, we may want to just stop this show right now because <laughs> he turned me down. How dare he turn me down? No, go ahead. I'm a behind-the-scenes guy. You know that about me. But, you know, you said something in there in one of the very first ones. First, Mr. S. and I, when he was telling his story, uh, I felt like we had a connection. We had a just, very similar. You are you know, explaining. The Thought thinking high school was easy and thinking college would be like that. Yeah, yes, not so much, right? I can relate. And so we both engineers and uh, just you know did some different things in my life. But you know, you I'm a believer in that everything happens for a reason. And uh, even ta talking to you earlier, we found out that our, our paths were very similar, and even the towns we worked in. Uh, Liberty, Texas, running oil field tools. South yeah. Liberty oil field, baby. So, uh, but termite. The only thing that makes me mad about you, Termite, is <laughs> I wish I'd have met you 40 years ago. You know, Wouldn't it have been cool? I mean, it's just, this is a guy that, you know, when you're around him, he just makes you feel <laughs> like you're the most important person in the room. He has that knack. He just yeah. does. And, you know, you can't wait to see or talk to him. When his name comes up on my phone, I'm like, that, that's a guy you answer on the first ring because I don't want him leaving me a message. I want to talk to this guy, you know. Uh, I have only known him about a year. Yep. Through a mutual friend of ours, Bill Nash. Bill Nash. Who I think y'all just had. Go, hey, go ahead and give Bill a plug on uh, uh, what y'all got coming up. Bill on. Nash, we're going to be uh, June the 11th, Sunday afternoon, Moe's Place, Katy, Texas, for the Texas Best Music Fest. It's the number one fundraiser for the Champions Kids Camp. And there's this young man by the name of Hayden Baker that you know. Yep. Uh, Hayden happens to be my son. He's a Texas country, or, excuse me, he's a country music artist. And uh, he's actually sang the national anthem at one of they your sure events. Did. So that's how Remember we got to meet, show. you know. And that was just a little over a year ago. But this is the kind of guy when you talk to him, you, you feel like you've known him your whole life. I can know? I know it. And and I just you know I want to spend more time with him. And and it's it's such a uplifting experience to be around him. And y'all talked to one of your very early shows about uh, about overcoming. Yeah. And. You know, everything, like I said, everything happens for a reason, I believe. But you have instances in your life that uh, I think all of us have had to overcome some things. And uh, yeah, although I was very fortunate, I've had some misfortune in my life, too. And it's one of those things that took a long time to overcome. And it, and it was, you know, God had to bring me through it. There's just no other explanation. God is good. All Absolutely. the time. All the time. Absolutely. So we can get into that. Uh Whenever you want to. Hey, if you we, go ahead. I want you to right now. However, I know that it's been pretty rough having to, you know, drive people like Jay Leno, George Foreman, Highway 101, you know, Faith Hill. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, Faith was, she was tough to look at for too long, you know, because <laughs> yeah. she's not that pretty, you know. You had to overcome. Yeah, I had to overcome yeah. that a lot. Yeah. You know, I, I got I got hugs and kisses on cheeks from girls like Fergie, you know, and Faith uh, Hill and, and Reba and people like that. So, you know, it's, it's rough, amazing. but somebody's got to do it, a, you know. And, uh, so, so tell us a little bit about you. How did you get started in life? So I grew up on the west side of Houston in Katy, and um, so my mom and dad both worked at Houston Rodeo. My mother worked there 41 years. She was the calf scramble director, most popular event in the rodeo is a calf right. scramble. And my dad was a Houston police officer. So along about, they both started in 59. Uh, my mother worked at 41 years. My dad, I think, 46. Uh, in early 70s, he and three other police officers were doing star security. So he didn't get to work with Elvis. Okay. Uh, but we... Uh, so as a kid, I got to meet a lot of those people. And I, I showed you some pictures earlier when I was young, meeting guys like, you know, Buck Owens and Bill Anderson and Conway Twitty Incredible. and Lynn <laughs> Anderson and Olivia Newton-John. I wish I could find that picture. I haven't been able to find that one in a while. But, uh, you know, just the icons of the music industry. And then as I got out of A&M, I, I graduated and from, I got involved in the rodeo uh, on a committee and then I started doing star security and star security was a paid job. Okay. It was not a committee like most people think, but we were charged with taking care of the artists. We were from the time they hit town, whether it was, uh, if they came in by bus or plane, we'd pick them up and you take them to sound check to dinner, to lunch. Uh, you're the one that drove them to the stage, wow. drove them off. And it's more than just security. You're, you're a host. You, yeah, yeah. You, and you are the liaison for a lot the of responsibility. Rodeo. And the cool thing is you get a lot of people that come in from different genres that don't know what the Houston Rodeo is. And so you become that Imagine spokesperson. Imagine some of the pop stars that have never done a rodeo. Yeah. You know, I, and I'm trying to think. Uh, Fergie? Well, yeah. Peebo Bryson, who's, uh, I can't remember what song you sang, one of the really famous Disney movies. But he was just enamored. He couldn't believe what the rodeo did. I, mean, I remember even back in the day, Conway Twitty, I think, donated part of his salary back because it's for kids. You know, yeah. it's a to donate for scholarships, right? And uh, so you you do, you get to become friends with some of these people because they trust you. Like I, I was lucky enough to be friends with Ronnie Dunn. We've been friends for over 30 years. Uh, you know, when they would come into town. Who? Ronnie Dunn from who Books and Dunn. signed your right. son. He did. We'll go into that a little bit more later, but he signed your he son. Did. Um, which is going to be on this show soon. Ronnie was... Uh, I took care of him, and when I say took care of him, you're the one that was with him all the time, from the time they get there to the time they leave. And just very gracious. Most of those people, of that list of over 300, I can name you one or two that were not very nice. Uh, <laughs> and if you want me to, I'll name them. If you don't, you can cut let's this not, out. Let's no. not name them. <laughs> Before we get to the rest of that story, a little word from one of our sponsors, Texas Hydrostatics. Anybody that has equipment to maintain, your hydraulic systems, cylinders, motors, final drives, give Texas Hydrostatics a call. They'll do you fast and get your equipment up and running. TexasHydrostatics.com. You know, we dealt with some other people where all they talked about was getting some of the rock acts you come in, you know, they're like getting drugs and things like that. And on the flip side of that, you've got some of the people that are the nicest people in the world. I got the opportunity to work with, uh, like, Martina McBride. Wow. Trisha Yearwood, just the sweet uh, Selena. I was with her three weeks before she got oh, killed. No kidding. Wow, uh, sweetest she's lady. Rising. Ever. She's already oh, a big star. Man. She's going to go yeah. higher. And yeah. those kind of people just—they made it all worthwhile. You know, you would see it. We did twenty days. People don't know what the rodeo does is, you did twenty straight days of twenty different artists, and sometimes you had doubles and triples in there, and you—they come so fast. Some of those names I'll tell you, y'all yeah, worked with them. But it was like that. I don't remember them. Yeah. But when you get people that continually come back, the George Straits of the world, great guy. I love George. Uh, well, I'm going to interrupt you because you know because um, I can talk all day. Well, no, well, there, I got a couple people. Go you know why I wouldn't do this when you first asked me? Because I'm a behind the scenes guy. Okay, <laughs> how'd you get me in front of a microphone? Well, we hadn't told you you get to sing in a minute. <laughs> so turn your ears off, folks. How, you know how was George Bush? I got to meet President Bush 41 several, probably 10 or 15 times, and him and Barbara were the sweetest people. Uh, one of my stories. So, 
<laughs> we were in the Astrodome, and the backstage area of the Astrodome was an old, it was the visiting team, base, visiting baseball team locker room, right? And there was a short hallway going to the dressing room, and her tour manager came out. I mean, he came out of her dressing room and goes, hey, Bruce, Reba's changing. The president's coming back. Just tell him I'll be right back. Yes, sir. So there's a hallway of maybe 10 feet. And if you've ever been around George Bush when he was healthy, he was a fast walker. I mean, he was brisk and boom. And I'm standing there, and he turns a corner, and I was younger and better shape. You know, he turns that corner about 10 feet away from me. And I'd met him several times before, but he's beelining for that door, and I've just been told Reba's changing. So I reached out mm. to, like, stop him, <laughs> realizing as my hand gets about six inches from his chest, I said, uh, Mr. President, she's changing. And about that time, the two guys behind him were doing this, like, don't <laughs> touch my guy. <laughs> and I wasn't going to touch their guy. <laughs> so I was – uh Wow. I was very close to probably getting reprimanded by somebody with uh, in a suit with a gun behind him. And uh, I was very nervous. And, Although Reba appreciates it. But, you know, <laughs> Reba appreciates it. But, and then he, but he was just so kind and gracious. And, and Barbara, would she would walk down the hall of all of us thanking us at the end of the night. And she'd be patting us on the chest, thank you, boys. And she just she's just the sweetest lady. Um, you know, couldn't say enough about him. Well, I didn't, get, I didn't ever get to talk with him. But I do have a letter from both Georges, and then I've got one, a picture uh, from uh, Miss Bush. Well, and, uh, I was at Barbara. the airport. I was at a private hangar, and I think I was picking up Trisha Yearwood, if I remember correctly. Uh, it was early on in the morning. It was early on Sunday morning, and you, you know, you check my tail numbers, right? So I asked for my tail number, and the lady says, 20 minutes out." She goes, "I just made some of these great." cookies right here the the ones they cook in the you know that smells so good smell all place up <laughs> and i said don't mind if i do myself and i and i went to grab one and i'm a pretty big old boy and the, the way to lose a finger is to take food away from me <laughs> and i went to grab one and this hand comes up and says don't mind myself and he grabs one and i whipped around and looked i was about to knock this guy clean out i was gonna pull it turn my watkins on him <laughs> and it was george w oh my god he was our governor at the time and i told him i'd just with his parents the night before, and, you know, he said, I just talked to my mother. And so we got to converse for four or five minutes, you know. And it was really cool because it was right before he announced he was going to run for president. And I said, nice to meet you, Mr. President. And he gave me a thumbs up and walked off. So it was a brief meeting, but it was really cool to, you know, you met, I met two presidents. There's only 40, what, wow. seven yeah, of them or whatever, eight, however many now. So that was pretty cool. Well, get ready for your question. You're talking about getting reprimanded. He's going to get on to me after we get through with this show. He's the real organized when <laughs> I just shoot out when I want to. And he, it's a job. What, what people don't see, he's over going. He's rolling his eyes all the time. <laughs> but you know, uh, George Bush, George Foreman, George Hamilton, George Jones, George Strait, the other George, George W. Bush, then Gladys Knight and the Pips. Oh my goodness. I asked Bubba Knight if I could be a Pip. <laughs> Bubba Knight's her brother. An honorary Pip. I, I want to be an honorary Pip. I said, I can't sing, but maybe I can hum. And, uh, no, Bubba Knight was her brother, and he was one of the original Pips, and he was her tour manager later on, and, and I got to work with him a little bit. And just a super nice guy, man. I, yeah, a really cool story, I think, is, is Lionel Richie. Now, Lionel one of my Ken, favorites. Lionel Richie, let me tell you, one of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet in your life, right? So back then, we could go all the way out to the uh, gate, and we, I went out there. It was late at night. His tour manager was an old LAPD captain. And so – we go out, I go out and meet him and his tour manager late at night, taking the hotel. We talk a little bit. And the next morning, he gets in the – we have a rodeo suburban we drive, you know. And so he gets in the back of the vehicle, and I look up in the mirror, and I go, hey, Lionel, we've got the horse ready for you to go. That I'd say, as soon as we do this uh, little interview here that we're going to, I'm going to take you you're going to ride the horse. And he goes, say what? <laughs> I said, yeah, man, it's, this is a rodeo. So everybody rides a horse. <laughs> he goes, no, 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 no. I said, no, I talked about it last night. Don't you know? He goes, I ain't riding no horse. <laughs> and so from then on, we started laughing and cutting up the whole day, right? And, I mean, this guy's like, he's just so cool. He asked me, who do you have coming next? And I said, uh, Kenny Rogers. Oh, I love Kenny. I said, oh, you know Kenny? Dude, I wrote Lady for him. I went, oh, my God. You he forget the song? songs yeah. that he yeah. wrote. He did. Lionel Richie wrote so many he's songs. Phenomenal. It's hard to keep up. Yep. So we, he goes, man, you got to tell him I said hello and and tell him about those, tell him to tell you about those go-karts he had. I'm like, okay. So I take him to the airport the next day, and we're out there at the show, and 
Kenny Rogers backstage, and I said, hey, Kenny, I'm, I had a line on. He said, tell you hi. And he said, ask you about the go-karts riding around. Those are four-wheelers, man. He didn't know what a four-wheeler is. <laughs> but then what's really cool, go-karts. this is how cool Lionel Lifted was. Lifted go-karts. There you go. We were in Vegas. My wife and I were in Vegas like two months later. And you go in. Back then, you looked and you, you had a, like a pamphlet. You could look at see who all was playing, right? Lionel was at the Mirage. I said, well, I'm going to get us tickets to Lionel. I like this. Honey, we're not in Houston, Texas anymore. This is not your area. Don't You didn't throw them down the gauntlet because now I'm going to do it. I called the Mirage Hotel. I asked for his tour manager by name, you know, asked for his room. He picks up the phone. I go, hey, Bobby, this is Bruce Baker, you know, Houston Rodeo Star Security. How you doing? What are you doing? Come on out and see us tonight. I mean, dude, he sits us like front row, tells the waitress, take care of them. They're our guests. I said, thank you, man. Listen, you tell Lionel I said hello and thank you for everything. He goes, no, 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 dude. Stay seated. When it's over, I'm coming to get you. Okay. I'm an old country boy. So dressed up for me is maybe a button-down shirt, starch wranglers, <laughs> and cowboy boots. Starch. He takes us backstage, and we're in the Siegfried and Roy's dressing room at the Mirage Hotel. I'm the dumbest-looking guy in the whole room. There's 30 <laughs> people in a circle, and they're dripping in gold and diamonds. I mean, they're L.A. people, mink coats and everything, right? <laughs> Lionel comes in the room, and I see him across the room, this big circle. He comes in, he greets about two people, and he looks over, and he catches my eye. And I saw him look at his tour manager, and I could read his lips say, who is that? He goes, Bruce Baker, Houston Rodeo Star Security. Oh, man. He beelines it, cuts off the whole line, goes straight to me, bear hugs me. And it's sitting there, he goes, this is my buddy, Bruce Baker. I played a damn rodeo. <laughs> and he's just going on and on. He goes, man, in Texas, I didn't know, but my name has three syllables. Because down there, they call me Lionel. <laughs> it was, he was so cool, man. I mean, just you couldn't ask for a better guy. I didn't get to meet him, but I got to go on stage with him and the Commodores. Wasn't it the Commodores back Absolutely. then? Absolutely. And Ralph Cooper, who we interviewed, actually took me up, and they introduced me as an up-and-coming fighter, and I was undefeated and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't get to, I didn't get to meet them, but I got to go on stage with them. And so that was pretty cool. But I'm, I'm envious. You've met uh, well, so many you know, and, and you get to meet a lot of really, really cool people. Uh, I, I One of my favorite stories, I guess, would be about George Strait. And, and when you look at George, he's just the consummate gentleman. And I actually got to take care of his dad. So I wasn't lead. There was eight or ten of us that did star security. And if you were lead one night, usually you were back at the next because they may overlap a little bit. So I was always, my partner was lead on George, and I was uh, in charge of Mr. John, his daddy. And uh, he was a consummate gentleman, South Texas farmer, school teacher, right? And so one night, we're still in the Houston Astrodome, and uh, I had taken care of Mr. Strait, taken him back to the hotel, made it back. George still signing autographs and taking pictures and stuff, right? And George is walking through this little short hallway backstage, and he's got both arms full of stuff. He's got a baseball cap pulled down. He's got little bitty round glasses. Nobody has seen George in glasses back then. <laughs> and he, we're like thanking him for everything or whatever. And he gets about in front of me and his tour manager, Tommy, stops. And he goes, George, Bruce was the one that took care of your dad. He takes all of his stuff, puts it in one hand, reaches out, shakes my hand, looks me square, and I goes, thanks for taking care of my daddy. Wow. Wow. That's a dude, I'm telling just you what, that good. guy right there, he's got my utmost, utmost respect. He's yeah. just, it, it was heartfelt and it was real. I mean, wow. Just the way he is, man. He also has a sense of humor, too. Does he? he, he yeah, he pulled a couple of – he was part of the jokes from a couple of people that I saw that probably couldn't tell. But, you know. <laughs> I'm sure you have a, quite a few stories that you cannot tell. Unfortunately, we don't want to ruin anybody's <laughs> career or lifestyles or <laughs> lives or families or anything like that. So we'll imagine. Let's, do, let's do. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Termite. No, no, we won't. No. We won't do that. We, but. Tell us some of the stories. Some crazy oh, stories and leave the name. What's that one you told us uh, about? You just barely got the guy. Um, I don't know if you want to share that one. I'll well, one of them you. was really cool. We, we just recently lost Gary Rossington from Leonard Skinner, and he was with the last remaining original members of Leonard Skinner. So what was cool about that was I was lead on them when they came, and, and Johnny Van Sant is Ronnie's brother, who is now the lead singer and has been for years after the crash in 78, I think. But the guy that was running production for the rodeo back then was a guy 
that was named uh, Steve Lawler. And I didn't know this. And, and we come down to sound check, and all these guys are getting out of the vehicles, and they're walking to Lawler, and they're just bear hugging him. I'm like, what, what's going on? They go, oh, man, he was on the plane. And I'm like, what? So he was on the plane that went down wow. uh, in Mississippi, and he laid in the swamp for like six or seven hours, I think, before they finally found him. Oh and he gosh. lived through it. He was their sound man or something. And later on, I talked to him, and he said that uh, he remembers they were playing cards. And he saw that, and he's like, damn, those trees are getting close. And the next thing you know, they were just, they said wow. it was like baseball bats hitting, hitting the plane. Oh, wow. But to see those guys get out and, and just bear hug him. And then, and Johnny Van Sant, you know, he does sound check, and he's, he was a cool guy. He, he really enjoyed what, what we did there. And, and uh, he comes off, <laughs> this is a story where he said, me and my partner were walking him off after sound check. And everybody knows Sweet Home Alabama. It's a very popular song, right? And so my partner goes, hey, Johnny, you know, this be the third time Sweet Home's been played this week at the rodeo. He goes, who sang it? And I said, well, Clay Walker sang it last weekend, and then Wynonna sang it the other night. And he goes, hmm, sings it better than I do. And he just walked off. He's all pissed <laughs> off. Because he said she would sing it better than him. But they were really cool guys. Uh, and, you know, they're just – they're icons, man. And, and again, it was a different genre, so it was fun. Yeah. Did you get to hear a lot of them jam and just, and oh, I have man. a reason for that. Let because... me tell you what. The, one of the coolest things was the last night that we did uh, the full rodeo in the Astrodome. And I, this was 02, I think, 02, 03. We did the Legends of Rodeo Past. And the next night we had George Strait and we had seats on the floor, right? So this was a, the night before, regular rodeo, we brought out, um, we had Kenny Rogers, Naomi Judd, Mac Davis, Charlie Pride, and Larry Gatlin and the Gatlin Brothers. Wow. And that afternoon, so these are these guys have played rodeo for years. So we bring them down to sound check, and it was so cool. Mac Davis was hilarious. He is sitting there. He's got everybody in stitches. And just to see, I got pictures of these guys. They're like leaning on the steps of the stage, and and they're just talking, telling stories, and lies to each other for just hours while everybody's getting ready. And this one little girl comes up and she goes, "Excuse me, Mr. Pride," and I, and I love Charlie Pride. Charlie Pride, I've known since I was a little kid. The last time I saw him, which was that time, uh, no, maybe 2010, I saw him again. Uh, he still called me Little Baker. I was 50 wow. years old. And he was calling me Little, little Baker, Baker still because he knows I was that big. But uh, I got a cool story about him, too. So this little girl comes and she goes, Mr. Pride, okay, you're going to sing Kiss an Angel, Good Morning, and whatever the other one was. And, and she goes, I just want to make sure because I'm going to be running the teleprompter. He goes, sweetheart, I've been singing those songs for 40 years. I don't need a teleprompter. <laughs> she was just trying to do her job. I get it. But, but first now, a word from our sponsors, Coastal Ice and Water. When you need ice and when you need water, call Coastal. Coastal ice and water you know charlie was such a good guy man i mean he was just great entertainer oh man and him and we called her big mama pride and everybody loved big mama pride too uh but god rest his soul he uh the best story about charlie pride this just tells you where his heart was he moved to i think it was you know he's a baseball player he used to go to, used to go to texas rangers camp all the time and he had just moved to dallas area i think it was south oak cliff i may be wrong on that part but uh, he was outside mowing his grass. And a lady from down the street stopped. And I said, sir, when you finish mowing your grass, I just live right down there. Can you mow mine too? He said, yes, ma'am. And he went down there and mowed her grass. <laughs> knocked on the door and said, ma'am, I, I finished. She goes, okay, what are you? He goes, you know what I mean? My name's Charlie Pride. I'm your neighbor. But that's just how wow. cool he was. Didn't yeah. bother him. Well, you know, talk about jamming. He plays instruments. He plays the piano play and piano. the guitar. I try. Big tough guy like this and plays piano. I try. Yeah, it don't make sense. He was jamming with uh, with Bill. That's what I and, heard. Uh, it was it was cool. It was I heard time. you need new strings in your guitar. Though. I do Bill need new strings. He, yeah, he. We'll hook how old are they? That. About ten years old. We'll hook you up some new strings. I think strings. you said fifteen years. Did I say? 15? I think they're fifteen years old. <laughs> tell hey, tell hey, bring some strings when he comes. Right. I'll restring your guitar for you. But and to finish that story about those the the icons was we that night I. I got picked to drive the ride-around truck. We would pick the artists in the back of the truck. They would wave to the crowd. We used to go real close. They could reach out, touch your hand, you know, and stuff. And I had all those people in the back of this truck. And I told the lady that took the pictures, I said, I don't care what you do today, but you better get a picture of me coming out of the stadium. 
and and she did. She got a great picture of me driving the truck and these iconic stars in the back, most of which have passed by now. You know, yeah. Kenny's gone and Naomi and Charlie and uh, it, you know, but it was really cool. And then we, the next night we had straight with everybody on the floor, <clears throat> and all they knew was they were getting an award from the rodeo. What they didn't know was President Bush, 41, was going to give it to them. So we walk all these, these straights in the middle of his performance. We walk them all down this big, long aisleway, you know, people sitting everywhere. And all of a sudden, they start seeing Charlie Pride and everything. People are pointing and looking, all this kind of stuff. Well, I was on my phone. I think it was a flip phone back then. It was so old. <laughs> but I could get service in the, in the stadium. And I'm sitting there, and I think it had a green light on it or something. I was, and Mac Davis is feverishly just typing away. He's just frantic because they realize now that they're looking at the big screen. They're going, We're going to get an award from President Bush. And so he looks at me and he sees my phone. He goes, Bruce, can I borrow your phone? And I'm like, sure. Back then you paid by the minute. You know, and I'm like, yeah. hey, dude, don't be making it. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you calling? <laughs> so I hand him my phone. He calls and he goes, hey, mom, I'm fixing you. He called his mom in Atlanta or somewhere in Georgia and said, mom, I'm fixing you an award from President Bush. Yeah, I'll, I'll call you right back. He goes, how do I just hit it again? How do I just sit? I just push that button send. Okay. And he's sitting there watching. He's watching the whole time. He's looking up at the big screen. And they said, born in Lubbock, Texas. And he goes, hold on, Mom. Walks up there, gets on stage. And on the big screen, you see him talking. On like, the you know, phone. Talking with, to President Bush going, with your hold phone. on, hold on. And oh he hands the phone, hands my phone to President Bush, gets on the phone. He goes, see, Mom, I told you it was a president. Used to tell my mama hello. <laughs> like 75,000 nuts, man. I mean, it this was so great. cool. He comes down. So when they come off the stage, if they got their awards, they come down to us and, you know, and they're walking right to us. We're fixing to lead them out of there. And he just goes by me and he goes, thank you, big thumbs up. And uh, hand me back my phone. He was so happy. Because his mama got to talk to George Bush. And on you the made phone. a moment. That's on cool. my phone. You made a moment. So um, you've had some things you've had to overcome. Tell us some of the things you've had. Yeah, because I'm over here thinking this guy's life is great. There's, there's uh, yeah, no, no, yeah, no problem, no, no challenges. His life, here, right? his life is great, but I, but I'm, I'm prying at him. I'm, I'm hitting a spot that so, I know is tough. Like, like we talked about, you know, I, I'd gone off to A&M out of high school, and and, and I was just uh, living the big life, you know, and probably doing some things I shouldn't do as far as drinking a lot. Uh, I told you, I, I laughed and told you I could hit a nine iron shot and hit the Dixie Chicken and. Downtown College Station there across from A few campus. people might know the Dixie Chicken. Yeah, and I, I drank a few beers there and shot a lot of pool over there. And I, uh, so it, I, was, I wasn't going down the best path. And uh, my grades were okay, but they had started talking to me about maybe finding a place to go to school. <laughs> so it was the spring of 83. It was during the Houston Rodeo, actually. And me and a bunch of my buddies had gone to the rodeo. And thank the good Lord above, I'd had one beer, and it was early in the afternoon. This was after rodeo. There was four or five cars of us. We were going from the rodeo out to a club, going down Westheimer, major thoroughfare here in Houston. It's like, you know, six lanes Busy road, a bunch of bars. A bunch of it's bars. happening place. Right. So we're going, and there was a meeting at the time. And um, so this was before bars got in trouble for over-serving. Right. And one of the attorneys that ended up I had a deal with, said that this was a case that probably helped prompt that thing. One of the cases that probably helped prompt those laws to change. I was at a red light, car in front of me, car takes off. It's dark. It's midnight. This car moves immediately out of the way. It's not well enough lit. That all I see is what appears to be a box in front of me. It was a man that was crawling across West Hunter mm -hmm. at midnight, and I struck him and killed him. Uh, he had been drinking since about noon that day. And he had crawled across three lanes of traffic. A car had actually stopped, pulled around, turned around, stopped, and was going to try to help him across when I hit him. Yeah. So timing was that close, it may not have happened. It's horrible. Uh, How old were you at the time? Uh, I was 20 years old. 20 years old. Wow. 20, 20 in college. Right, right. So you're legally drinking, but you're still 20 years old. So at 20 years old, you're having to overcome yeah. something so horrific. Wow. So I'm taken downtown. They do the breathalyzer. They've got an interview. I can't even write out my statement. I'm shaking. Hours later, I'm still shaking so bad. And it was just, it was awful, man. I mean, it was, the thing is, it took five years, three months, and two days to settle that case. Mm -hmm. And 
they, you know, they sued me and they sued the, it was Steak and Ale. It was that. I'm sorry, it was a Bennigan. They sued the Steak and Ale Corporation for each of us for a million dollars back then. And of course, they settled for uh, quite a bit less than that from the insurance company. But um, I didn't want to drive. Uh, I didn't want to go back to school, but I did. And I think I, the only class I passed was PE, probably because I just showed up. But I failed every class and I got asked to go to another university. So I went to Blend Junior College in downtown Bryan, mm-hmm. right right next to College Station, and I made I think like a four over or something. It wasn't that hard. But the transformation was it took me about ten months of counseling, and there was a, a preacher at our church, the First Baptist Church of Katy, named Dr. Edwin Jenkins, and it's one of those things where it took me a long time to get through my thick skull that, you know, everything first happens for a reason, and second of all. This was this man's time to go, and it was your time to get right. That's right. And so that's kind of what it was. I mean, it it uh, it was a it was a big kick in the butt, and I turned around, turned my life around, and in fact, three of my last four semesters, I made the distinguished students listen to wow. So, you know, that just goes to show the people that are watching this that maybe you've had you know, the people out here have had things they've had to overcome. You know, um, you can overcome anything. Uh, I go back to Scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens Philippians me. Philippians 4.13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, thanks for sharing that. I, I wanted to pry and get that out of you, and I know it's tough. So. At 20 years old, dealing with yeah. the guilt, you know, is it, it's, you know, it's my fault. So it, was, it actually was just the 40th anniversary of it just recently. I'm, wow. I'm almost 60 years old, so yeah. And it was, uh, and it's one of those things where, you know, you still things get triggered, man. I mean, you know, had and I had somebody tell me one time that be glad it wasn't like a little kid that had a whole life before them. It doesn't make it easier, right. but you, and again, you can kind of understand what they were trying to say. But I'll be driving in the morning to work, and I'll hear auto pedestrian accident, and it's a trigger. Yeah, where you don't think of that. You yeah, just for me, hear, that would just right wouldn't even register. You see a, you see a, you're driving through your neighborhood, and and you see a ball roll out, and I freak. You know, I. It, Inside, I freak out because there's a kid going to be running after that ball. Yeah. And it just, it's one of those things that uh, never it never leaves you. Never leaves you. Yeah. Never leaves you. But no. you did overcome it. I did. What would you What would you say helped you overcome it? And this is for the people Man, I had out a, here. I had a preacher that just believed, and he believed in me, and he he got it through my thick skull. It took it took 10 months of counseling uh, to, to, to overcome it. It really, really did. And I— and it's one of those things where that's just so you can live with it uh, because you took a man's life, you know. Uh, it's It was a very hard thing to go through. I wish I didn't have to, but at the same time, I know that every, I truly believe everything happens in your life for a reason, and we just have to figure out what that reason yeah. is. And, um, you know, I still don't always make the best decisions, but I know that it. it's like, it's kind of like we are our kids, you know. I always say that raising kids is kind of like going bowling and you have the bumper rails up, right? right. And you just kind of slap them back. You keep going down that road, right? Nudge them. Nudge you kind of nudge them this way, and then your wife nudges them this way, and you nudge them back, right? But you try to keep going down that path, and that's that's kind of what it is, 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 is God just kind of has to guide us along. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes those lessons are harder than others. And it, I probably miss signs where he said, you should clean your life up. You should start yeah. studying more. I probably miss those. And things. that's a message to a lot of people out there, maybe even us. I mean, that's that's a huge message. Maybe this message is for somebody out there. And that's just it. You know, sometimes it's those messages come from the strangest people or the strangest things that you don't think. Uh, uh, you know, my life's not anywhere close to being perfect. I wish it was, uh, but it's not. But. You know, I just that, and that's why when when you first called and I and asked me to do this, and I said no, I like to be the behind the scenes guy. Um, and then you you talked about overcoming, and I was like, I've got an overcoming story. How can you not tell people about this story? And I'm sure there's some you're, people that you know that need to hear this. They can relate. Right. You can help out. You're blessing so many people by sharing this. Now, a word from our sponsors. We want to give a big shout out to Texas Flange. If you need a flange. Called Texas Flange. He'll get it to you quick and fast. Mr. S., is this not incredible? No, it's inspiring. I mean, anytime you hear people coming through 
things like that, especially at that young age, you know, you're dealing with that guilt and then to see what you've now, you know, chosen to make out of that. It is a choice. Yeah. I got very lucky. I, uh, my wife and I have two beautiful kids. Um, What's your Hayden and Riley, my daughter. Riley, She's, okay. She works in Austin. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about, I know you mentioned Hayden, but as so, we start to wrap up, what, what are they doing? You're so involved in both his... of them graduated from a and with business degrees, business management degrees. My daughter went to work for Oracle. We can give Oracle a plug, I guess. doesn't. But not like they need help, but yeah, yeah. Uh, she works for Oracle and just got a promotion. So, And uh, she's doing really, really well. Very, very proud of her. And then Hayden, my son. So Hayden played uh, – He's a third-generation Katie football player. And if you know anything about Katie football, it's really big, it's, right? Yeah, they're good. But take so, it seriously. Yeah. Take it very seriously. Real. He was on the state and national championship team. He's got a ring about three times the size of my Aggie ring. And uh, thought he was going to be a baseball player. Played in college baseball. And then kind of got into playing guitar about 15, 16 years old because of a girl. It's always over a girl, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, things kind of worked out. He was started singing at, like, little local – barbecue places and then you know through some uh connections we had i guess here and there he uh 20 year 20 i think he was 20 years old he got to open for willie nelson at the smart, smart financial center in sugarland texas beautiful like 80 million dollar facility built for music right and uh he was just kid up there on stage that probably shouldn't have been there at that time he'll tell you that too but uh He's a very driven kid, and he and he's kept advancing his his craft. And like you were saying, he graduated from A and M, and and the next week he and I went to Nashville, and he signed a publishing deal with Ronnie Dunn of Brooks and Dunn. So he's been writing music, and, and that's his job now is perform. Uh, you know, we were talking about you know and this earlier. This is so it, it's such a weird deal when you go to Nashville because you see people in just the most obscure places. You don't expect to see some of these artists and, and things. In some places you do, but that particular trip, we fly in the airport and we get off the plane and Hayden sees two guys, Parker McCollum, who he played a lot of shows with, just signed with Warner Brothers, and Josh Abbott, a big Texas artist. We're not even out of the airport yet. And then the next day we go to, uh, to Ronnie Dunn's ranch and he's writing with him and a guy named Ira Dean from Trick Pony. And then the next day we're touring, I, I told you about my buddy, um, John McBride. When I first met John McBride, he was a sound man for Garth Brooks. Wow. And he had a person that was uh, selling merch for him by the name of Martina McBride, who <laughs> obviously became a big star too. That's John's wife. Well, he now owns Blackbird Studios, which is the finest studio, one of the finest studios in the world. And... We got to go to his place, and, and we had Hayden's record producer with us, and this guy's freaking out because of the studio. And we're walking out, and this is, again, you don't expect to see this. There's a bench outside of the office, and as we're walking out and saying our goodbyes, there's this guy, and I, and I almost went into security mode because there's this bum-looking guy. He looks like he's on a phone all down like this. And he goes, oh, you want to meet Dirks? It was Dirks Bentley sitting on the bench <laughs> waiting to talk to him. And then, you know, it's, we, we were at a club one night, this little place called Kitchens. It's about... I think it held like 45 people downtown Nashville. And Hayden goes, we got to go hear this guy play. He goes, it's Guthrie Trap. He's a great guitarist. And they're going to have Joe Bonamasso. These names don't mean anything to me. Later find out Joe Bonamasso has his name on the marquees in Las Vegas. He's that good. And we're sitting there, and, and this guy walks in. He lays the guitar down. And I kind of pointed at Hayden and goes, oh, my God. That's a $50,000 guitar. He just laid down just like nothing, right? And they're literally in a corner with a full band playing. And there's two this great guitarists, right? And Hayden goes, hey, I just heard that uh, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top is supposed to be here tonight. I go, really? <laughs> I worked. I got a chance to work with ZZ Top. And so we, uh, when Billy came in, the place is packed, 45 people. There are people sitting <laughs> around, standing around the back. So I went up to Billy and I told him who I was and reintroduced myself and we made room for him. He, he got to come and sit with us. That was a picture I showed you. So we're sitting here listening to two great guitarists, and we've got Rock and Roll Hall of Famer right here next to us, you know. And then uh, I think it was the next day we were getting ready to leave, and Hayden called me and goes, hey, uh, we got to hurry. We're going to go down to Brentwood. We're having lunch with Brad Paisley. 
And Unreal. So we got to have lunch with Brad, and, and uh, I'd worked with Brad at the rodeo four or five times, and, but Hayden's become friends with him separately. Yeah. And they're, they're, they've done some things together. But you know, in my opinion, Hayden is as good, if not better, than the guys you just named. Well, He's one of Brad the most talented was, people I've ever seen. That's what was really cool. Uh, Brad is his guitar hero. And you Brad's know, good. That's who he looks up to. That's who he looks up to. So yeah. we're having lunch. And, and like I said, Brad and I had known each other for a few years. And, and we're sitting there talking. And just out of the blue, he, he looks at Hayden and points at me and goes, you realize he's a phenomenal guitar player, right? And Hayden's eyes like this big, you know. So it was a great compliment to him. From your own hero. Uh, for that. And, you know, but I mean, in this one trip, we see all these people with all these different connections. And, you know, we're having, we're having drinks with, a rock and roll hall of famer hating to write music with a country music hall of famer and it was it was a uh, pretty surreal actually you know to, so in your it's trips, only just beginning with your son's career so i imagine it's gonna it's, get more interesting it's very early on he's he's 25 years old now and uh you know that's what he does for a living so and, he, and he's doing well at it and he's got a lot of things in the works with a lot of really cool people uh it's like anything else you get you gotta pay your dues and he's yeah. doing that but so when you're in nashville do you ever come across rodney crowell I have met Rodney one time, and it was a long time ago, I think, at the rodeo. Uh, now, Rodney was married to Roseanne Cash. Yes. And so, do y'all know the story about George Strait and Houston Rodeo? No, I do not. <laughs> All right. So, no, but I think I, this was right before <laughs> I, it was a little bit before I started working, but I was there. My, both my parents were working. Uh, actually, I was still in school. I was at AM. It was 83. Uh, back then, the rodeo did two, two shows on a Sunday. And, uh, Roseanne Cash was opening for Eddie Rabbit, and Eddie got sick. He did the first show, but he got sick. So they tried to get some doctors over there, tried to get him some shots, get him pumped up, whatever. Can't do the second show. He's mm -hmm. done. So there was a young booking agent by the name of Tony Conway. Tony ended up being the MCA, I mean, I'm sorry, the CMA president, head of Buddy Lee Attractions, big wig in the industry, right? And he goes, Man, I mean, they're calling around. They're checking Mickey Gilly. They're checking who played in San Antonio last night. What can we do? And he goes, I got this new guy. He's got one, one or two songs. I've got Amarillo by morning. His name's George Strait. <laughs> can we get him here? They just came off tour. They called George's house. Norma, his wife's answers, sweetest lady, too. And his dog got out, got loose. So he's, <laughs> he's out looking for his dog. You got to remember, we didn't have cell phones back then, right? right? Different time. So... They send Lewis Pierce. They send Lewis Pierce's plane to get him. And the drummer, his name's Tommy Foote, a good friend of mine now, ends up being his tour manager uh, a couple years later and still is. He goes, one of the guys turned, or took their phone off the hook. We couldn't get a hold of him. And we had like 30 minutes to get to the airport. Now y Younger people might not relate to this. Yeah. You take your phone off the hook and no one can call <laughs> no, you, you. No one. Yeah. So he goes, like shutting your phone on, off. We just got off the road. He said, we are beating on his door to get up, man. And he goes, really, all we had to do was bring our instruments. So we, what they call line check. They flew them here. They got there. They line checked every instrument. It just means, like, I have power. You know, you don't get to sound check. So Roseanne Cash's manager was a little hard to work with, and tour manager. And he said, listen, now, on the ride around, she's the headliner now, so I want her on the other side of the stadium before he ever gets out. Well, they didn't have but one truck to ride around in, so there was nothing. You can't just grab another truck at the last minute because it had to have rails around the top where they could hold on away, right? So one of the guys that I ended up working with, one of my dad's good friends, he was on Star Security. He goes, I got an idea. George, can you ride a horse? George, George in typical George straight fashion goes, man, I was on the rodeo team in college. I can <laughs> ride a horse. So he goes over to a barrel racer who, this, even in 83, this was probably a forty or $50,000 horse because, we need to borrow your horse. <laughs> and she's like, okay. So he grabs the horse. George gets on. Roseanne's on the other side. George comes out, and 60,000 people went absolutely nuts. What an entrance. And that's how he got started the rodeo. Wow. That's a good now, start. He'll tell you that it helped. I'm not saying it made his career, but it helped his career a lot. Sure. It, it helped it along. Sure. It's but, a memorable uh, entrance for sure. Yeah. You know, another one, and I told you this one before, love uh, I got to work with Garth Brooks a couple times, and Garth was great. And, and I've actually given some of Garth's advice to Hayden. The first time he played the rodeo, we were in the Astrodome. We're down the Dome Skeller, and there's like a door, just a doorway. You can look, like stage door. You can look out there. And we heard in our earpieces that it was like you know, 65,000, sellout crowd, whatever. <clears throat> and uh, I said something to George, I said something to Garth. I was like, hey, man, 
good crowd tonight. There's like 65,000 people out there. And he looked at me and he goes, 65 or 65,000. It's the same show every night, baby. And I went, wow, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So fast forward to Hayden now, and he played opening for Willie Nelson in front of five or 6,000 people in a very intimate, great, beautiful $80 million facility. And a week later, we were in an ice house in New Braunfels in front of about 15 or 20 people. Yeah. I said, hey, same, same show. Same show. So same show. Garth was really cool to work with. He, uh, he, he really enjoyed what we kind of did. Is he thought it was fun because he did two nights back then, and so the second day we didn't have to sound check, we didn't do anything, right? So they got hotels down in Galveston because they didn't want anywhere around there because the crowds were crazy. So the deal was we parked his bus off site to get him out of there. It was packed. And so the guy, when he comes off stage, we had, me and another guy had the band. We pull up in the Suburbans. They were like, drop your instruments, get in the vehicles, let's get out here as quick as we can. We beat the crowd. We had police escorts. We're flying up the ramp. We fly out of the Astrodome complex. We're cutting around, and we get into these industrial complex, and all of a sudden, boom, there's a big bus sitting back there. And Garth jumped out of the front vehicle, high-fived everybody. That was so cool. Let's do it again. <laughs> And uh, he sat on the on the step the, the step of his bus, and every police officer that was like the motorcycle cops, whatever, he was signing the inside of their helmets. He grabbed a stack of pictures like this. He goes, "How many do you need?" And he just sat there and signed for everybody that wanted them. And he yeah. was just a really really. Cool I've heard guy. he's a class act. He was a class act, uh, and Trisha's so sweet, and you know, I mean, she was just wonderful to work with. I, I worked with her actually before. No, the second time I had her, she was married to Garth. So, but. Just, there's a lot of really great people in that industry. You know, they, they're they just like anybody else. They've just made it big. They're, you know, you know they're not quite as famous as Termite. They've got <laughs> movies being made about their life or anything. There but, you go. But, you know, they're just normal people, and they're they're really, really good people, man. Yeah. So You know, talking about good people, you're good people. Oh, and it's well. been a pleasure knowing you, pleasure meeting you. You know, there's so many takeaways from this today. Uh, one of them is that don't ever quit. Don't ever quit. You know, and, and no matter how bad it is, it could be worse. And um, Hayden, wrote, Hayden wrote a song called, at least I'm, here's a plug for my son, Hayden Baker, at least I'm here. And yeah. he said, and, and that's what it is. It's about, it's, some things could be horribly up. bad, but at least I'm here. That's you know? true. So if people wanted to follow Hayden, uh, where could they go? He's on all social media, Hayden Baker. Hayden Baker official, uh, Hayden Baker music. If you if you go to his website, Hayden Baker music is probably the best. Okay. com is the best place. Uh, and then I would encourage everybody to to look into the event that you and I are going to be at uh, on Sunday, June the eleventh, the Texas Best Music Fest. It's it's for Champions Kids Camp. Uh, anybody that's uh, any, any child that has had some kind of trauma in their life mm -hmm. is welcome here. It's a Christian based camp. Uh, they also do an event at Christmas time. And it's just a wonderful organization that uh, I became involved in because of Hayden about five or six years ago. He got the opportunity to uh, build brought him on very young, and he got to open for several acts there and actually got to play uh, on stage with Larry Gatlin one year oh, wow. and uh, play guitar with him and sing backup with him. And, and uh, now Hayden's headlining it last year and this year. And we're going to do some really cool stuff at the end. We'll do a big finale with – we're going to have Mary Sarah, who's on The Voice. and uh, just Mary Sarah's who we're going to get. Okay, I remember you talking about she's that. She's such a sweet girl. and Just uh, a sweetheart. And it's, it's going to be a fun deal. It's going to be a fun afternoon. Um, music starts at 3. We're going to... Uh, we'll put links at the bottom of, of yeah, these. Yeah, it, it, it's to go for to. a great cause, and it's fun. It's indoors. It's at most places in Katy. We don't have to worry about the heat, the rain. It's all going to take care of. Rain or shine. And... Uh, Termite Watkins will be there, so you can go by and shake his hand, get his autograph. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna do gloves again. We're gonna raise some All money. Right. Uh, tell, go, I'm, I'm giving you a lead in. <laughs> all right, I'm so giving last you a lead. Year, man, we have all we come have like, on, bro. Like twelve big items that we were gonna do on the auction, auction off yeah, on the, the auction. auction, right? We decided to knock it down to just twelve, right? We got like you know trips to Puerto Vallarta, a week at this hotel, golf, like four or five rounds of golf. We're talking about all the nice places and and ten dinners for twos at Great restaurants. And then this guy comes up here, two sets of boxing gloves, 
and they each sold for $4,000 a piece, more than I think anything else we had. So we were blessed. So Termite raised more money for us. That's awesome. But uh, all the money goes towards the Champions Kids Camp, and that's what's really, really cool about this. And Champions Kids Camp, uh, these kids are incredible. I hope that everybody can come out and maybe – uh, Mr. S and I will keep promoting this every time we, we get a chance. And uh, it's um, very good calls. Okay. In closing, what would you like to leave the people with? If you can get one message across, what would you convey? About overcoming, about never man, quit, just, whatever you Like want. you said, just don't ever give up, man. It's just, you know, it, life is tough. It's tough. We talked about that. It's, it throws you some curves. And, uh, you know, you, you have to just keep plugging along. Yeah. Persevere. It's, it's not. It's not easy. Every day is not going to be easy. You know, like I said, I've been blessed to do the things that I got to do, to meet the people I got to meet, to to call some of them friends, you know, like Ronnie Dunn. Or, uh, I mean, I, I got to go to Mark Chestnut's wedding, I mean, when he got wow. married 30 years ago or whatever. Uh, so those are kind of cool things that you get to do. But, you know, it's, it's kind of get up every day and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You only get to the cool things if you push through the not-so-cool things. Well, that's true. true. That's the truth. That's and, and, you know, it had I hate to say that that accident changed my life, but that accident changed my life. You it have really, to let it. It really did. And, and and I think that, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in our lives that we don't understand. And we ask, why, God? Why did this happen to me? Why, you know, or why did it happen to me now? Well, we don't always like his plan. And sometimes his answer is no when you, have, right. you say a prayer, right? So, you, you know, I try to... to to pray for specific things, but more general things and just, uh, but man, life's about persevering. Persevering. Persist. You've learned a lot today. I've learned a lot. It's been about overcoming. Mr. S, what about you? No, that's uh, it. I can't add to that. I don't want uh, to. That was a good way to sum it up. So we'll leave him. We we told him what to do on how to close it. But, uh, you know, basically what he's saying in life got to keep your guard up. Got to keep your guard, guard up. up. That's so, right. Uh, everybody out there, keep your guard, keep your guard up. up.